This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Work doesn't stay at work anymore. We work from home. We work in the car, even in the supermarket, checking email in the checkout. But being busy has become a status symbol, says Melissa Clark. She's an organisational psychology professor at the University of Georgia's Work and Family Experience Research Lab. Uh, For far too many, she says, all that stuff tips into workaholicism. Workaholism. Her new book dispels the myths about what a workaholic is, what drives the compulsion to constantly work, and how to clock off effectively. The book is called Never Not Working, Why the Always-On Culture is Bad for Business and How to Fix It. And Dr. Melissa Clark joins me now. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Uh, nice to talk to you. Do you or did you once put yourself in this category, the workaholic category? Oh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, yes. And I still struggle with it today. I have always, even since I was a kid, um, struggled with kind of doing too much, always going above and beyond being a perfectionist and everything I did. So, you know, when I got into the workplace, I realized I needed to do some things to keep my kind of negative tendencies in check. Is it true you even work through your contractions on the day your daughter was born? <laughs> Yes, um, an embarrassing story that I shared in my book, but yes, that is 100% the truth. I was um, working in a coffee shop and yeah, went into labor and had a deadline to meet. Um, I was in graduate school at the time and I just really didn't think there was any other option besides fighting through the pain and timing my contractions. And I think I stayed there like two hours while I was in labor. It was ridiculous <laughs> now looking back at it. Yeah, and, Just and ridiculous. I, and, and I'm sure there are people listening who've had similar experiences, but it's a it's an opportunity to look at how life is going and think, why am I driven to be so focused on work and not this massive personal event which is happening in my life mm-hmm. today? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Is there a difference between working hard and being a workaholic? Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, I'm not against hard work. I'm a hard worker myself. And, um, you know, I think with anything, you can take it to the extreme. And so um, workaholism is kind of like that, that hard work uh, to the nth degree. Um, It's not just about long work hours either. It's, it's basically when work kind of consumes everything about your life, your thoughts, your emotions, um, even kind of your physical state, almost feeling anxious or uneasy um, when you're or unsettled when you're not working um, all the time. And so, yeah, you can be a hard worker and still know how to recover and kind of take breaks from work for sure. 
You say that most people don't really get what workaholism is and the forces driving it. What, what are we getting wrong? wrong, do you think? Um, well, it's not necessarily getting it wrong. It might just be not, uh, maybe incomplete might be the word because people kind of think of long work hours as workaholism, um, but they're not synonymous. In fact, they're only moderately related to each other in the research. So yes, it's about the behavioral component, the long work hours, taking work wherever you go, having a hard time putting it down. But there's also three other dimensions, and it's really about the compulsive nature of workaholism. So the motivational component is this feeling like you ought to be working all the time, that you should be. Um, it's almost like a push to work. Um, and then with that, there's also the cognitive component. So thinking about work all the time, maybe it's keeping you up at night, maybe you're distracted when you're with your family, kind of thinking about work and the emotional component. That's the other factor where you can feel negative emotions when you're not working, uh, could be anxious or guilty or even frustration. And so it's all those things together that kind of make up what workaholism is as we define it. Yeah, you say one misconception is that workaholics just really love their jobs. Um, what does your research say about that? Yeah, some of them do. So a common misunderstanding is confounding uh, workaholism with work engagement. And so work engagement is this uh, joy of working where you can get really engrossed in what you're doing and it's, you know, you're driven by intrinsic motivation. So this enjoyment of work uh, and it, that is different than workaholism that you're driven by this compulsion, what we call introjected motivation. Um, and to make things more complicated, these are not two ends of a, a, the same spectrum. You can actually be a workaholic and an engaged worker um, at the same time and have, you know, some positive uh, aspects of how you work, but also some negative aspects of how you work. Um, and so oftentimes people think, oh, well, I'm not a workaholic because I enjoy my work. Well, that that may be true, but if you enjoy your work, you might be engaged. But if you also have a hard time putting it down when you leave work or you're thinking about work all the time or you feel guilty if you're not working, actually, you're probably both. Yeah, and some people will be listening. I know you know this. They'll be listening and thinking, well, this is for other people because I actually work in an industry that is just a very stressful industry, um, law mm -hmm. or media or retail or accounting or actually probably the list just goes on and on. You hear that all the time. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, there's – you name it, there's uh, workaholics in every industry – and of course, there are some that are kind of known for fostering this type of workaholic environment, um, like what the couple of the ones that you mentioned, you know, law and consulting and, and whatnot. But um, it, it's kind of a an interaction. There's some components of workaholism that that are that I believe are innate to us. You know, it's part of our personality, but our environments can exacerbate it. So. There, there are environments where it can exacerbate some negative work tendencies, even if you're not a workaholic, right? Because your boss is demanding or the industry is demanding. It's still important to talk about workaholism because overwork is a part of it. And we know from the research that overwork is equally as bad 
um, as workaholism. So I guess what I'm saying is it's it's really not about where you work, although that can make things worse for you. How do managers feel about this? Do managers tend to think it's a good thing to have a workaholic on staff? Yeah, kind of. I, I hear that a lot, you know. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> you know, I think that's a very common myth that I bust in the book, that workaholics are more productive. Um, I have conducted what's called a meta-analysis where we take all the existing research on workaholism and productivity. And across all of that, we don't find any relationship between the two. Um, and sometimes it's actually showing a negative relationship with a lot of the things organizations care about, like um, extra role behaviors. So workaholics tend to be more um, likely to engage in what we call counterproductive work behaviors. So um, this can be a detriment to the company. So this could be things like talking bad about someone at work or um, being aggressive towards someone else. And a lot of those aspects come out because of the way workaholics think about work, that everything is a crisis. Everything's an emergency. We all need to be doing everything we can to fix whatever it is. And if people aren't, then kind of these negative um, interactions tend to occur. But but more than that, I think one of the big reasons workaholics are not more productive is they they really just exhaust all their energy and this is, you know, cumulative over time, but also we see it in the short term as well. You know, thinking about your energy at the beginning of the workday versus the end of the workday. Mm. I think a lot of people would say, yeah, I feel more tired at the end of the workday and I'm not as sharp. You know, when I need to write, I write at the beginning of the day. That's mm. when I write the best. You know, that's when my best work is done. So think about a workaholic that never has that time to to rest at the end of the workday to kind of reinvigorate themselves for the the next day, they're kind of just continuing to go at this worn out state and this, this physio, you know, physiological reaction to this constant overextending, it really does wear us down. So not, a, not just health outcomes, but, you know, we're just not, we don't have the energy that we should have because we're not recovering from all that, time and effort that we're putting into our work. I'm speaking with Dr. Melissa Clark. We're talking about overwork and her book is called Never Not Working, Why the Always-On Culture is Bad for Business and How to Fix It. I was surprised to read in your book, Melissa, that the fifth cause, uh, fifth leading cause of death in America is the workplace. Yes. Yeah. And that's from a, you know, some really solid research, large scale research. And that's not just workaholism. That's that's job stressors um, and long work hours and all of that cumulatively. Um, it's pretty astounding when you think about it, you know, it, and especially because we spend so much of our lives at work. Uh, we really should try to focus on having work be the most um productive and, and healthy environment that it can be. And it's so it's kind of scary to hear those statistics. Yeah. And, and thinking about some of the changes in the last few years, the post-pandemic work from home trend, is that moving things in the right direction? Is it changing the rate of burnout among employees? Well, word on the street is it's not. <laughs> kind of, you know, at least 
my personal experience and basically most people that I work with, I feel like everyone's just at the end of their rope right now. It's just, you know, the cumulative stress of going through a pandemic and coming out of the pandemic and all everything related to that, um, you know, at least, you know, here in the U.S., we really haven't had adequate time to just recover from all of that. That cumulative buildup of stress is really taxing on our bodies. And so that's why I feel like we really do see higher higher rates of burnout than ever before. Um, but some of the things I talk about in the book, you know, the the changes to the way we work and how we work during COVID, I think we also picked up some bad habits. Um, I would be curious if um, you can relate to this uh, in New Zealand, uh -huh. but, you know, for us, when most people, you know, were working from home and people that have kids were also homeschooling the kids at the same time yeah. trying to work. And so the workday got extended. So what we saw in Microsoft has some data where they look at use of their teams mm. and all their you know technology and they found a surge in productivity during covid in the evening so my thought is as a parent oh this is when kids go to bed and then we pull out the laptop and we start working again but the problem is i feel like a lot of teams and companies kind of got used to that off the work hour communication pattern the idea that people are just more av available and accessible to each other. And I'm not really seeing that being pulled back the way we really should to kind of preserve that those after hour after work hours to recover, you know? Yeah. And so if we kind of change the way we work and the timing of our communication with people during COVID, that's one thing. But now that we're, you know, kind of out of the pandemic and of course COVID is still around, but the, you know, working from home and, and the extreme aspects of the pandemic that's passed. And so I think we really need to take a hard look at, did we develop some bad habits and can we address those in our team and in our organization? Yeah. Everything we read about millennials and Gen Z's is that they're a little bit different. They don't want to work so hard. Um, they realize there's more to life than work. There's that whole quiet quitting phenomenon. Mm -hmm. So is this problem you're describing, is it a problem with Gen Xs and older, or actually is there a problem for the younger people um, listening as well? Well, I guess time will tell when they get into the workforce and take over the, the manager in you know high-level positions and mm. organizations. I am curious because I do... I. I do sense some changes when I talk to freshmen, you know, over the years, I have seen well-being and um, this focus on on, on self-care to be more talked about than ever before. So that's encouraging. Um, what is discouraging is how that gener those, you know, younger generations are even more attached to their phones and technology. And technology is one of those things that can exacerbate workaholism, you know, because we're constantly tethered mm. to our work with our smartphones. We check our email, you know, and people can text us or call us anytime. So I don't know, it, it, it would be it's going to be interesting to see how that'll play out um, when those generations actually get into the workforce in these positions of power where they can help shape the way we work. I, I'm hopeful that, you know, there there will be some changes, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'm also, um, I'm just not sure. 
can we look at some of the forces that um, that shape our approach to work? Do you think that the uh, the fact our workplace is structured on an eight hour day is reasonable? Honestly, no. I I just don't think we need eight hours a day anymore. Um, you know, I had the luxury and the pleasure of talking to Andrew Barnes, who's from New Zealand, um, who is the co-director of the four day the four day week global and my conversations with him and some of the other individuals um, in that organization, I I'm sold. Like I am 100% on board with shortening the work week and basically lopping off a whole day. Um, so 32 hours could be a full, you know, work week. Um, if you think about, you know, decades ago, uh, you know, we worked well, not we, per- me personally, but mm. employees worked six days a week. Okay. And then, at some point, it was changed to a 40-hour work week, five days a week. Why are we stuck there? We have all of this technology that makes things so much faster. Now we have AI that is shaving off more time that we, um, you know, we're spending on tasks that we can shorten that as well. So why do we keep on stretching out the work day or the work week in, to 40 hours. Why do we continue to have this idea of an eight hour day as a full day of work? Um, you know, so I, I personally, um, I don't think we need eight hours. And I feel like by the end of that eight hours, we're not productive anyways. Uh, there's an economist, actually, his name is John Pencobel, mm. who who wrote about this, you know, aspect of how productive we are and said someone who works 70 hours is no more productive than someone who works 55. And I would argue that you could even take those numbers down even more. The data from the four-day week trials, for example, is outstanding. You know, it's it's showing people are happier, revenue is going up, and people don't want to go back to the 40-hour work week. They just don't. So I wish that the movement was stronger here in the U.S., Finally, what suggestions do you have for listeners to help them leave work at work and and try and kick that workaholic habit? Oh, that's a great question. There's a lot of things that people could do. Um, One thing that I personally have been working on is trying not to what's called work light. So working light is basically when you're you're still continuing to work kind of after you've come home, but you combine it with something that is not work related so that you kind of justify to yourself that I'm not fully working. For me, what that means is like I'll be watching a TV show and I'll pull my laptop out and I'll I'll just check a couple emails. Oh, I'm just doing this, but I'm also watching the show. So I'm in, I'm enjoying myself, but I'm working light. I'm still working. I really need, you know, I've been working on trying to to cut that out so you can fully disengage from work, you know, not just partially. So that's one thing that if you have those sorts of tendencies, you know, to really focus on true detachment, both stopping work and to psychologically detach from work. That's a really effective recovery strategy that research has shown that the next day, if you can psychologically detach, then the next morning you are more energized and you're more engaged when when you get to work because you've taken that time to disconnect. You also suggest redefining the word urgent. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's one of the things that I've struggled with. And, you know, a lot of workaholics say the same thing, that everything is urgent, everything is a crisis. And and really, when you think about it, it's not. So, you know, if you can look at your to-do to do list as not like all these urgent things, but maybe think of it as now I'm just using it to prioritize. And maybe there are a couple really urgent things. Okay, so focus on those things and then realize that the other things can wait until the next day. The world is not going to end um, unless you're like working for a nuclear power station and you literally need to be working to avoid a crisis. Most of our jobs are not that extreme, right? People can wait a day for me to respond to their email about um, their exam grade or something like that. Mm. What do you mean when you tell us to control rumination? Um, you know, so that is one aspect of workaholism, that constant thinking about work. And so rumination is basically going against that idea of psychologically detaching from work. And so a lot of the individuals that I spoke to um, have told me they have different strategies. And one of them is um, having a mantra, basically. So when you catch yourself thinking about work, it's almost like the idea of name it to tame it. Once you kind of recognize, oh, I'm thinking about work again, um, recognize that you are and then try a mantra. You know, the work can wait. I need this downtime to recover. Um, One of the women I spoke with, she has something like my life is full and scheduled. I don't need to add anything else to my plate or something Mm. like that. Whatever speaks to you, um, I like to think you know, about this idea of I need downtime to recover and I have to keep reminding myself of that. So that's one way you can hopefully start to control that rumination about work. The book is called Never Not Working, Why the Always On Culture is Bad for Business and How to Fix It. And I've been talking to author Dr. Melissa Clark from University of Georgia. Melissa, thanks so much for the work you've put into this. Really nice to talk to you today. Thank you. It's been really great. Thank you for having me. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.